Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of the OmniTalk Fast Five. It's November 8th, 2019. I am here. As always, we got the full crew today. We've got Ann Mazzigan, we got Carter Jensen, and we have Emma, the intern. How are you guys doing? Great. Yeah. Better than you sound. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't I sound too good. I know. It's been a rough It's been a rough couple of weeks. I just cannot get well. There's, there's been some serious head colds circulating around the uh, Third House OmniTalk. You know what the most disgusting world. stuff is? Is the microphone that's standing in front of you. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I pity anyone that has to use my That's microphone. why I stand on this side of the table all the time. It's a good thing one of us is sanitizing this room on a regular basis. I'm not going to name who that is, but <laughs> I'm sure the audience at home knows who that yeah. likely who that likely is. Yes, it like you know, I got a funny story, real quick, funny story, and and then I, then we've got some cool stuff from Amazon we want to do here before uh, before we do the fast five. But funny story from Andy because I'm curious, uh, my buddy Andy F. Shout out to him, but he he texted me this morning. And he said I had this dream. It was really realistic. He said you became the CEO of a new baby company called Storkville out of Indiana. Storkville. Andy F, your dream should be a little bit better than that. I expect more of you. I know. And I was like, but you know what's funny? That sounds like something I would do <laughs> in a Storkville. lot of ways. Storkville. But anyway, Carter brought this in. Carter, you got this. Now, I'm going to make sure I hold this up to the camera correctly for those watching on YouTube or on LinkedIn. There you go. Good to go. It, it arrived in the mail yesterday. I almost threw it away with the rest of the direct mail that I got. <laughs> but then I saw a little arrow in the bottom center of the front page. Amazon Fashion sent me a uh, direct mail catalog, specifically uh, talking a little bit about all the new winter fashions that I can purchase directly uh, from them. Carter, how many how many Amazon Fashions are you purchasing on a regular basis? Is this like you're on their list or your key customer, or what do you think that's all about? Well, I'm, I might be giving them a little more credit than they deserve, but not enough. I've been someone who's I want to buy more fashion items from Amazon, so I think I am a customer that's right in their crosshairs potentially why i got this yeah i i think that's a great point especially when you look at going to more traditional tactics like direct mail i mean we'll talk about this later in the podcast too we have a lot of advertising talk in in the headlines this week but i think they're going back to basics with direct mail out of home trying to figure out how they can attract a customer that right now is an uh, an amazon customer loyal amazon customer like you carter but has a terrible time trying to get through the Amazon interface and uh, trying to find clothing items that are appealing in that awful search experience. What do you guys think when you look at this? I have a few ideas when I look at this. I'm curious what you guys think. Well, I love it. I Here's what I like is like Amazon's always had such a hard time with discovery, specifically in fashion, because that's such a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I get like this pretty well done. I mean, now you could analyze this all day. But I think like you get some pretty well yeah. done. It looks nice. It feels good. It's not it's not cheap. It's a yep. nice catalog that comes in the mail, right in line with the Patagonia catalog that comes and the North Face and the Banana Republic, et cetera. <laughs> and I can sit there and page through it and be like, oh, actually, like I could use a new jacket and understanding it's from Amazon. I it eliminates that trip to the retailer. It eliminates the need for me to go browse in other like ways um, with them l- relying on more traditional marketing mediums. Yeah, except the the catalog execution is still not great. Like the shopping experience on Amazon, well, sure. not great. Dive into it. Tell me what, what is not great and what could be better about this experience. Here, let's do that, actually. I think Ann's got a really good point. So we, we tried this out earlier today. So this, for those who see, this is the... And and we actually have these jackets at Third House. They're they're pretty good. I think to, to, to everyone's point, the, the stuff on Amazon is pretty great. I actually use their basic t-shirts all the time. 
But from a user experience perspective, this thing is decidedly not Amazon. So first of all, what do you do? You go into the app, you open it up, you click the camera icon. That in and of itself is super confusing because like now I have all these options. The option I actually need is way over to the right. Here, one second, Chris. Let's do this. Oh, it's such an old phone. I don't even know how to use it. <laughs> and then you can't even record. Never mind. Chris has got a phone from the 60s. Yeah, my I phone is too old. All right, which, continue which with the com- demo. Which comes up with something that I'm writing about later. But so then you go and you scan the smile code. What a great experience. Somehow. Oh, there it goes. Right, so, okay. So that's Glor- clunky. And remember, smile code's glorified QR code, Amazon-owned QR code. It's got a fancy Amazon logo in the front of it, um, ultimately for the app itself. Absolutely. And then you see here again, remember, these are all Amazon essentials, basically the puffer jackets. But what do I get pulled up? I get Tommy Hilfiger. And I've tried this on a number of pages already. I get Tommy Hilfiger, and it's not the stuff that I'm seeing in the advertisement. That's very confusing. It's very disjointed. The whole landing experience, if you're going to do this, has to be done very differently. There's too much friction in here. In fact, it kind of pisses me off, and it makes me want to stop shopping. It's like, easier, how would, how it's easier I, to probably just search the darn terms How would I get the these page. hats? Like, what if I wanted these I don't hats? Think, how would you get there? I don't think it's going to be no easier idea. to search the pages. Have no, you that'd shopped be Amazon? Too. That'd be terrible, too. I mean, and well, their search functionality is usually pretty good. Hopefully, I can put in Amazon Essentials men's lightweight, lightweight water resistant packable hooded puffer jacket, although that would take me about my entire lifetime to do. Well, I think the the problem with this too is that there's no pricing in the catalog. And for you to really truly understand the value that is worth you scanning the code, going online, trying to find that puffer jacket that is actually at a reasonable cost. I think they're like $40 or less. It's pretty affordable. But if that's what you have to go through to find it, not worth it. Yeah, you're right. So it's basically what we said. Cool idea. We all kind of liked it, but massive execution flaws. No pricing. You don't know how much anything is. You can't find it all when you want to actually go buy it. Well, here is another interesting thing I'm just noticing. Look at who's addressed to. The missus. It's not even addressed to me. Doesn't care about you, Carter. Doesn't care about me. Nope. It's addressed to missus. All right, should we get to the stories? Let's do it. Okay, first, a word from our sponsor, Trigo. Trigo, thanks for keeping me honest, Dan. This is the second week in a row. Trigo helps grocers unlock the true beauty of brick-and-mortar retailing by designing a magical checkout-free experience using computer vision and AI. Together with Tesco, Trigo is now building the largest checkout-free store ever built. All right, story number one this week. Kroger, in case you missed it, has rebranded with a new logo and slogan. According to CNBC, Kroger is getting a new look with a fresh logo and a universal slogan it plans to use across all its brands. Now, Kroger, the grocery chain that owns Rouse, Fries, Fred Meyer, Harris Teeter, and probably even more banners, is going now with the tagline, Fresh for Everyone. Previously, if you recall, it did not have a tagline across all of these brands. They're going to start launching a massive media campaign around this. And also, not to be lost in all the talk, is the new Kroji. Yes, what's a Kroji? Well, it's a collection of animated emojis that Kroger plans to use, or as they say, quote, a lovable cast of characters to represent Kroger's customers, associates, and communities in an inclusive, relatable, optimistic, and fun way, unquote. So much here. Please take it away. Well, I know Emma has a soft spot for the Kroji 
What do you think? I mean, that was surprising to me, but Emma loves them. What do you tell us about the Krogies, Emma? What it's hard to tur- it's it's hard to turn away from the Krogies. I'm obsessed with the Krogies. So when you go to Kroger's Twitter or Instagram feed, you get bombarded with all these little Krogies, and there's a whole video that tells the story of the Krogies, and they're just really cute. And never in my life have I been so compelled to go to a Kroger. I don't even know where one is. So they're compelling to you. I'm going to package that up and then send it to DDB so their heads can get even bigger than they are. Please don't. Please do not. Like, they're so aesthetically pleasing. And the little video. (laughs) You just love these things. I I don't know what to make of this thing. What do you guys think? Ann Carter, what do you guys think? Focus Group's dream. Like, this is the, yeah, the creative directors of DDB are like, success, let's do 100 more of these. Um, Carter, I want to hear what you have to say, and then I'll, I'll. Way in. First of all, the logo is not that much different. Um, no, you, know, you not look at, all. at the difference. They they it made it look a little bit more modern. But who am I to uh, analyze that? Because I think a lot of the biggest companies in the world do slight logo changes and call it revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've seen you know Google Target all that kind of fun stuff. So uh, that that's a whole thing. The the Kroji thing like I, there is a thirty second banner spot that's going out and into TV or broadcast here coming up all about the Kroji. From my understanding, I think the interesting part for me is like how the heck is this going to resonate? through all of the brands they represent like mm-hmm. was this the right move to just completely rebrand the mothership often what people don't actually interact with um, or like should have there been something a little different more holistically through all their banners um, you know I I think is it and also is it lipstick on a pig there's also some other benefits that are coming with it like the elimination of the grocery pickup fee um, which is that accurate? I'm I'm, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's accurate. They're eliminating the, the five dollar. I think yeah. they're doing that. Yeah, Wait, we got to remember yeah, now through January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about this two weeks ago, and I'm sorry I, I keep bringing this up, but like the fact that there even needs to be a fee for grocery pickup in the world that we live in today, <laughs> right. like of and looking at the competitors that they have, really kind of depicts the fact that there are larger issues at play. Uh, kind of in parallel to some of the the things we've talked about in terms of like buzzwords, just implementing technology for no apparent reason. Like I get they would have to rebrand. I get they maybe have to tweak some of their things but i would i would hope that more would come from this rather than just eliminating a five dollar fee that is ultimately pretty pretty devastating in itself and temporary and what do you think though you're the you're the you're you've got a background in marketing alongside carter what do you think here this is legacy advertising at its worst like, really why i thought it was at its finest because i thought legacy advertising <laughs> was bad in the get-go it's an oxymoron yeah it's just it screams old and and tired like if you're going to be an agency in this world who's going to do well and good you have people like carter on your team who are thinking forward and thinking about how you can actually make the business better chris you said something today about your conversation with mark laurie that i feel like is was really important to call out for this because the first thing i thought of was fresh for everyone i love that I think that's a great idea. That's okay. one brilliant thing about this. Having a mission or a mantra for, you know, 19 different local regional grocers to get behind is great. Being able to bring fresh food to people more places throughout the country, I love it. That's a great way. That's a great like brand slogan to ride on. But if you can't deliver on the brand promise with that, what are you doing? And how are you, if your innovation isn't delivering on that, um, I, I don't think you're going to be successful. 
And it looks like- But that's like, a separate topic from the brand, whether the branding's right, whether it's a good no, marketing strategy. No, it's not. It's, this is, I guarantee, Carter, what do you think this, I tried to find the stats, but what do you think the, the cost was if you had to guess? It's insane. The, with the like, team that's on this thing is 20, 30, budget. 40. High, oh, then the media budget's not even, not something to talk about. I mean, right. you're talking millions and millions Yeah, but to your point about, I mean, they're doing, a, I mean, Kroger more than anybody's doing a ton of experimentation on how to live up to this brand promise. We talk about it every week. Right, we do. But then you look at something like this, and you're like, "Holy cow, Kroger! This is off. This is off the brand." So what promise. didn't they get right? They spending the amount of money that they spent on a campaign that didn't need to be spent. So if, you don't. You just don't think they should have done a campaign? No, I absolutely don't. This if they're going okay. to do anything, it's unifying the brands. It's going under so one label, Kroger, okay. and cutting like worthless. Emma loves the the Krogies, but how much TV is Emma watching right now that they're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on an ad campaign for? To their defense, you, you, I guess you don't know what the full transparency of that media budget is, but based on the press right. release, all they said was, well, our marketing budget's always been very healthy and that we're excited to launch this one 30-second broadcast anthem piece. I just... Well, but hold on. I want to pr- press here because you said you love, the lo- you love the slogan. Yes. They've never had one before. You said you love it. Yep. It's only day one, so who knows if they're going to rebrand the whole portfolio at some point. Option's still on the table. They haven't taken it away. Emma, resident Zenial Generation Z, loves the emojis and is actually talking about Kroger for the first time ever Mm -hmm. in her life. What did they get wrong? It's it's not. It was a bad move. Okay. I mean, I I guess the problem is not in what they've done. They've done a great job with the PR announcement. My problem is the strategy behind this campaign. They went old school, the agency DDB. You think this just feels just, really old school? Yes. They I mean, right down to the like the images of the tattooed sleeved dad, millennial dad <laughs> holding yeah, right. the Kroger bag. Like it's old, it's yeah. tired and I just am so disappointed that they chose to spend this much money in at this time yeah. and they're still going forward but it's fresh for fams it's fresh for fans. But but you know what? Put that $100 million <laughs> media budget towards being fresh for family at the get-go. It, your launch should have included more talk about how you're getting more fresh food to more people. Well, it irks me that yeah, what money's being wasted. Right. Okay. That's, what, yeah. that's what I... Think about how many grocery fees they could eliminate based on taking that traditional media budget and actually eliminating this that's $5 fee. That's exactly what fee. I'm saying, Carter. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm agreeing, if you're I'm agreeing with you, totally. with a slogan like fresh for everyone, I, better you do it. better damn deliver on that slogan and spending the money on a tired ad campaign is not the way Emma, last word. I'm done. Well, Emma, last word. I, Long I wanna... live the Krogies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, but your last line was the perfect anticipus of everything you, uh, whatever, the summary of what you just said is the fact that they spent big media dollars, traditional media dollars, huge media dollars on a random, not random, but a tagline rather than actually improving the product. Yeah. Just like CPG companies had done 20 years ago and had found success because people still watch TV. Yes. I'm going to watch this. I don't know. I'm split on this. I When I first read it, I was like, this is awful awful like i was like oh my god and then even on linkedin there's a woman at kroger like who's a fairly high up and i'm she's like got a picture in her office with the the kroji and i'm like i don't know what to do here anymore like i can't compute this and then emma's in here saying she can't turn her eyes from it so i'm like i don't know what to make so i'm just gonna go 50 50 and say you know what time will tell 
Story number two, though, let's segue. Another old legacy retailer trying to refashion itself in its own oh image. Oh, my gosh. All right, coming out of straight from the press release, this week, JCPenney announces brand new store, completely reimagined format, just outside Dallas, uh, Dallas in Hearst, Texas. Uh, that represents the company's strategy to put customer at the center of its business. That's right. So um, as a brand-defining store, it's an experiential as core, a direct result of what uh, they claim were years and years of shopper insights. So it's ba- built around data and insights uh, learned from more than a year, like I said, of consumer research showcases the comprehensive found and found with transformational change, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, that's it's always a, a year, by the way. No one ever says, we spent nine weeks on this research. But <laughs> in <anyway>. reality, the <laughs> actual research <laughs> right. was probably nine weeks. Here's the thing. I think what you need to do is you need to double click in this past the press release. So the Forbes has an article out right now that talks a little bit about it. One of the big things that I saw was that it's completely the store format is a little bit different. So the store format is based on lifestyle and lifestyle need rather than simply just saying, here's denim and here are sportswear. It's, uh, you know, uh, casual casual formal and loungewear and sportswear and activewear like they've been able to segment the actual store in ways that are uh surrounding need states of the actual consumer so i need more gear to wear on the weekend for this winter okay great there's a section for me i'm not piling through maybe i want some sweatpants from the sportswear section a sweatshirt from it's a little bit more formal so i'm going over to men's they were able to do that now i haven't seen it firsthand so how successful this new inventory uh management system is I don't know because I can see on paper where it would be really, really beneficial. However, I have to see it to believe it. I don't know how great that's going to be because um, I worry that it's actually going to add a little bit more confusion to myself as a shopper uh, than benefit, especially if I'm looking for something very specific because now all of a sudden I'm going to have nice sweatpants in one section but bad sweatpants in the other. <laughs> mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm going to realize, do I go to casual wear or do I go to sportswear? And all of a sudden you don't know what to do. So instead of having all of those things put together in one place you have the segmentation now that's just one thing did you see the video i didn't see the video you didn't see the video and did you see the video yes oh god what did you think of the video yeah okay tell me about the video the the sizzle reel video exactly sizzle i am really really hard on my my old advertising friends and i want to apologize because i know you all work hard but Holy cow, this is another example of throwing money at the wrong (coughs) problem. JCPenney's, a new logo and doing yoga in your stores. People, this is not where your money should be going. Some advertising agency told them that they should do this because it'll be experiential and get people in the stores. And to Carter's point, like... There, it's confusing. There's yes, you can do yoga in the store, but are you really looking to J.C. Penney to go to for your yoga? No, are they? They put in a. Yeah, that's a big ask, there. right? To go do yoga at J.C. Penney's. I yes, I mean right. Yes. I even so I think it's a big ask even for like a brand like Lululemon to go into a physical right. yeah, store. Yeah, that's to not do easy that. either. Yeah, it's hard. But well, the funny thing is too, they're like trying to play off like barber shops are new and hairstyle things are new in departments. Those, those that's freaking been around forever. Yeah, I think there's there's other core problems, and it again goes back to like you need to make sure that the consultants and agencies or whoever is helping you try to solve those problems has the business at its core, the business's best interest in mind, not a flashy sizzle reel or an experiential event in store that's going to be a flash in the pan and not help the brand survive. I feel what we're seeing a lot here is, and this might be a fundamental thing, so call me on this. 
I, I feel that we are seeing so think about this as like a, a pantry, right? And we're seeing what traditionally has worked in new retail, right? So it's like experiential events in store, a coffee bar, you know, mm-hmm. a new way to organize inventory. And anytime a brand comes to some big time consultant and says, hey, we got a million dollars, like, oh, great. And they just run into the pantry, grab a few cans of whatever they think will work, shake it up and hand it to them and mm-hmm. then say, great, we now do yoga in the store. We're going to put a coffee bar in front, et cetera, et cetera. When in reality, like, there's like a much bigger issue here. And ultimately you have to figure out like what is right for your brand, what's right for your store, what's right for your consumers, et cetera. And I worry that we're just like throwing yoga studios in the back of every single new retail environment thinking that that's what's going to work. No, what you're really, and what you're really doing, I think, Carter, to your point in the most simplest terms is you're just shrieking the mall. So the mall, which is already in some ways quite challenged, is now just being shrunk into the smaller things that are challenged within it. Right. So you've got the department store on one side anchoring it and the department store on the other side doing the same darn things. There's a whole just different perspective on how to think about these things. And I, I don't know. I, I looked at this. I like for a split as I was on Kroger, this thing, I was like, gosh, man, there's nothing here. I, I It felt old to me. The branding feels old to me. I know you guys kind of like the retro look of the brand too. We talked about this earlier, but it felt old to me. It felt like a 50-year-old guy in a midlife crisis trying to buy a Corvette to figure out because that's what you're supposed to do. They're so, playing to their existing customer. Right, they're yeah. not so, playing to what the future customer and I don't. Uh, sorry, one more thing, Carter. I, if we've got anybody down in Dallas that can go see this and can hit us up on LinkedIn with like what's even really going on here because I it was really hard to see how how this stuff actually plays out spatially. Right. But like, I don't know, Britain Lad, if you're listening, anyone, hit us up and let us know what the hell is going on down there because I really want to know more about this because on its surface, it's like, whoa, like this doesn't feel like it's going to work. I, I, I just challenge us to say, like, well, what, what should they do, right? Like, what would be a, an opportunity? And I think it's easy for us to say, well, maybe you secretly make a new brand and secretly open up a whole new thing for a whole new consumer base mm-hmm. using the inventory and using the foundational elements that you still can ride on. Well, I think that's the key. And like saying exactly what the answer is to save JCPenney's, I think is one fundamentally just a really tough question. Super tough. But two, like also, if you're going to answer that question, the whole thing has to be rethought. You, It's not going to be solved by, let's put a incremental yoga studio, hair salon, coffee shop into the existing pad it's got to be rethought from the ground up i mean we talk about that all the time rebuild the version of the department store like the neighborhood goods or beta or anybody else or the four poster trying to do like take that approach anyway all right story number three story number three costco and instacart announced this week that they are going to start offering one hour prescription delivery Uh, So according to CNBC, Costco and Instacart are teaming up on this pilot project. Uh, They have been notifying members of Costco in California and Washington State that they can now order their prescription drugs through their Instacart app and have them delivered um, in as quick as an hour um, for orders over $35. So. Uh, we're seeing a lot of people come into the space with Amazon having recently acquired PillPack. Their the heat is on. Walgreens is starting to explore this also, and um, we're we're seeing a lot of of this activity happening. Walmart also kind of going after getting people prescriptions in addition to some of the other household goods that they have. Um, so curious, what do you guys think? About I think that? this is amazing. Like I thought this was. I think this might be the coolest story of the week because for a couple of reasons. It's like one. I never thought about Costco for pharmacy, right? And I'm never going to go there when I'm sick because it's the last place on earth <laughs> I want to go. Like, can you imagine the lines? It's the last place on the earth I want to go fully healthy. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't enjoy that experience personally. But like, if I could get the prices of Costco 
deliver it to my house in an hour when I am sick, that's different. And that makes me stop and go, hmm, I maybe need to try that. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the question is, do you think the prescriptions and the medications actually coming from a Costco building itself? Like imagine how easy it is to pop up a pharmacy in terms of inventory. You know, you're talking small, large quantities of probably a, 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 a manageable collection of things. Yeah, centralized pharmacies. Right, right. You know, it's like yeah, all it's of a sudden it's like, why don't you just have a huge box truck that just cruises around with a pharmacist in the back? I know that's not right, but like it, it it's possible. And it gets Instacart into that game. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, regionally, you know, there's still other, you know, pharmacies out there that service a lot of people. So outside CVS and Walgreens. So, okay. But Costco is also doing a lot with delivery as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of all of our stuff at work is delivery from Costco and it works really well. Now, it's mm-hmm. not fast, but it works because you're ordering large quantities of the same thing over and over again. Right. So if it comes on Monday morning and you set it on Thursday afternoon, that's not as big of a deal. But I think they're probably seeing some differentiation in that with things like prescriptions, et cetera. Emma, what's, Emma the intern, what's the take on Costco in the, in the you know, college segment right now? I know lots of people will go to Costco to like buy things. It was in, huge when I was in college. Is it still or, huge? Like, for cheap, I've never even been to a Costco. Okay, okay. ever. Yeah ever in my really? life. Sam's Have Club? you been to a BJ's or Sam's Club? I've been to both of those. Okay. Okay. All right. But like, and I've been told that they're like that, but I mean, yeah, I've never been yeah, to a Costco. Because you're from the East Coast, right? Yep. Okay. And none of my friends go to Costco, but they have been to Costco's. So I don't really see this being everyone that I know that needs a, some kind of prescription just goes to CVS or Walgreens. Yeah. Like nobody picks Ooh. it up at a grocery store. Yeah, right. And the college crowd's a little bit different there too. But yeah, but yeah, and I could see them still wanting delivery. It's just where from, right? Yeah. And that's true too. It's like, where do you, where, what's your habits, right? But this is enough to at least make me stop and go, hmm, should I break my habit? And yeah. that's really hard to do. I yeah. mean, what do you think? Um, I, I think it's a smart way for people, especially for Costco to get your husband people. loves Costco. Oh, he loves it. Um, yeah, I, I, he loves going there though. So like we talked about last <laughs> week, there's some people that love going there and there, yeah, this would be a people, downer for him. Oh yeah. God. Delivery of Costco. Awful. Um, no, I think it's smart. It's really smart for Instacart because you're getting your drivers trained on being HIPAA certified and now being able to do pharmacy <laughs> delivery from Costco or anywhere else. I mean, think of all the possibilities now. You don't have to stop at five places. If you can have pharmacy delivery from any any grocer that Instacart delivers from, plus your groceries, plus Costco and grocery, like it's just cutting down the trips and now having them delivered to you in an hour or less at a $35 price point. I mean, that's pretty pretty sweet. Am I right in saying that a lot of prescriptions are set and it's monthly or quarterly or whatever they're refreshed on a normal rate like what do we think the the variable between that are, are most prescriptions something that are normal or are they specialized where That's you might be point. on it for six months or not right. the reason I, sorry no, go, go ahead Carter. well no. the reason i ask is because like i think costco could get in this kind of subscription game like knowing the fact of a lot of people who use costco i'd imagine are like well we need two gallons of milk every week we need chicken every week we need this every week and the idea that costco might be able to you know be the owner of what do you need on a weekly basis so you can set it and forget it. Like, I wonder if that kind of plays into this prescription model. Well, I think you're right. I mean, it's a really good point. We hadn't brought it up. And, and you talked about this last week, but like with Sam's Club, but yeah, there's a generational play here too, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of, I think that, I don't know the numbers, but that proclivity is definitely higher the older you get, right? Because right. the more you need medicine. Sure. And so, yeah, to the point that that's sometimes who, you know, these different warehouse clubs can, can cater to just because you're living on a budget and, 
you know, you might need those types of products depending on, 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 on what your state of life is. So yeah, I mean, that's also a play that's important to think about as you're going here. So it's just amazing how fast, I mean, just stop and think about it. like just what we do every week, like just how fast this stuff is changing. Yeah. Sam's club putting stores out of an e-commerce fulfillment center. Now Costco shipping one hour delivery in pharmacy with Instacart. Like that's all in a week guys. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also a good example of how you see these retailers try to compete with Amazon by tapping into fulfillment infrastructure that they don't necessarily own. And I think the question is, is like, can costs really compete? Yeah. So with Amazon owning, owning the rails, you know, when it comes to it, I would argue that they will probably be able to give a better rate. Um, but at least Costco yeah, is right. trying. Like, what does that model look like? It's just crazy how quick it's coming. And Kroger has emojis now, like that are like out of Scooby Doo. Like, I stop <laughs> the world. I want to get off. Oh All right, let's do story number four. Story number four: Birchbox is popping up in 500 Walgreens stores for the holidays. According to Retail Dive, Birchbox will expand its brick-and-mortar partnerships with Walgreens for the holiday season from 11 permanent locations to 500 pop-ups. The Birchbox shop-and-shops will be available in Walgreens stores in 44 states beginning this Friday and run through the end of December. The holiday Birchbox fixtures will be positioned at the front of the store in a grab-and-go holiday gifts format and will include items like Birchbox subscription gift cards, travel-sized beauty essentials, limited-edition travel-themed Birchbox beauty, and Birchbox grooming boxes. They got a lot going on in that birch box. Yeah. I like it. I, here's why I like it. Is I because think this is a really important story. Mm-hmm. There, I think there's a lot of gifting that is unfortunately uh, flat, right? You don't care. You, neither side potentially cares that much. And you ultimately just need a gift. You need to get it done. I think birch box is something that is uh, a step up in terms of what do I need right now? I need three of them. We're going to grandma's house and we forgot gifts. It's better um, than it's better than the lottery tickets that I used than to the, get. It's better than the lottery tickets. And so I think they're <laughs> taking advantage of that. They're saying, hey, you know, we can... We we can put these in a convenient spot. We'll put them in. We'll put them in a Walgreens or whatever, yes. and we'll we'll make sure that it's plentiful. And now it gives us lame people the opportunity to get like semi thoughtful or what looks to be thoughtful gifts really quickly. Yeah, I what I love about it is the the brand cachet that Birchbox brings with it. I don't think this is like going to completely boost their subscription boxes, although it is a nice supplement to have to bring brand awareness and also to provide the the Walgreens customer with a higher quality of product than they're currently able to get with their drugstore brand. So um, yeah, Carter, you're right. I think this is going to enable an entirely new kind of impulse purchase situation that... Um, in addition to the other impulse purchases, you can make it at Walgreens, and this really sets them up to be to be a destination for um, for more drugstore beauty over a CVS or a Target or something like that. But I want to ask, I want to put a question on this one though. So, like, I get asked this a lot, and I've heard this twice in a, in probably the last couple weeks, where somebody's called me seeking advice, and they're like, "Hey, what do you think about?" And hopefully, they're listening. Actually, what do you think of subscription boxes in physical retail? We build a whole concept around it. Like, how should that work? And what I always tell them is like, "Well, why do I need to see it in physical retail? Like, what is the actual point of me wanting to test or try a subscription box in a physical place?" So here you have Birchbox trying to put their subscription boxes or to entice people into their subscriptions into their store. Is that fundamentally, Anne, what you think this is about? No. Or is this, so you just, let's just get products on shelves. It's it's getting, a it's stealing brand cachet from Birchbox and putting that on shelves. It's like, they might as well be a, another CPG company next to a CoverGirl or a Maybelline. What if you were to uh, take 
What if you were able to fill your own birch box at the point of in-store and then the assortment of products that you picked on option one would then dictate what would potentially be filled within that box for the next 12 months? Cooler idea. Hard to execute at Walgreens, but yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think they are using algorithms like that to say if you liked this product, then this. you have to give feedback though, like virtually right. in a normal Birchbox setting. You'd be like, "Hey, they probably send you a note. I'm not a subscription, but they're like, how do you like? Couldn't you just do that with a razor? Couldn't you just do that with a retailer's mobile app though? Sure, yeah, totally. Okay. And that's I what mean, I'm saying is like you can basically say, "Hey, you don't need to take any of this home. Like just like scan the four things yeah, you want. And you're I done. Want. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're Birchbox, or maybe they're you know not. But I think that's I don't know. I think the, what you just said, Anne, I think is the really intriguing part of the story. That's why I think it's subtly important is that like, so let's just get it real. And we've talked about it with meal kits before, but subscriptions exist because they defray the cost of shipping. That's why people jump into them. Like very rarely. I mean, and in certain use cases, there are cases where people want to reorder it and reorder it and reorder it. But what you're seeing is all these companies still need to find a way to get on shelves like a traditional CBG company at some point. And so then what does that all really mean? And how valuable is it as a, just an idea and a business in and of itself? And I think that's what you're starting to see here. Like, I don't, I don't know that like the subscription thing really matters in this case. It's just how it started. Yeah. I, but again, like if, if grandma's at Walgreens picking up stocking stuffers and she gets a gift box or a birch box gift card for all of her granddaughters and grandsons, like, and now they start using this, like that is another entry into subscription, which is just a nice piece, like some gravy on top of the new age hickory farms too. Yeah. Or whatever that is. What is that? (laughs) Yeah. That story. Yeah. All right. You want to get us out of here? Yes, I would love to. Uh, And, Crazy Amazon story of the week. Crazy it's becoming Amazon that. This one's convoluted this too. One, yeah, this it's one's really hard to understand. So I'm going to break it down for you. Um, so <laughs> according to Chain Store Age, Amazon is bringing a new cash payment option to the U.S. So the new option is called Amazon Pay Code. And it's a partnership with Western Union that allows customers to make purchases using cash. Now, what's new about this one, though, that is separate from Amazon Cash, which already exists, Pay code allows you to go online, find something you want to buy on Amazon, hit purchase, brings you all the way to checkout, and then you have 24 hours to get to a Western Union location to make the cash payment or your order disappears. So it's basically removing the friction of Amazon Cash, which is an, exists in the Amazon app. With Amazon Cash, you open up a map, you find the place closest to you. It could be um, anything from a 7-Eleven to a CVS to a GameStop. You go put cash on an Amazon gift card. The gift card is stored on your phone, and then you apply that to cash. So that's kind of where these two things are netting out. Um, What I think is really cool about this, the hidden story here, is as we're talking about Amazon rolling out grocery and other products, uh, the ability to provide consumers with a way to use cash in transactions is going to become more and more important. And so I think for me, that's the real, that's the real headline here is that <laughs> Amazon's exploring more ways to accept cash for more types of transactions. Yes, it allows, you know, the marketplaces are happy because more people can make more, more purchases more easily without having to preload a gift card with cash. But I think that's ultimately where, where this. So you're thinking like the Amazon go blowback. This has applicability there. I do. I think not taking cash for those who haven't followed us. I think this is a part of it. Yeah. Amazon go doesn't have to accept cash as an Amazon go store. But when you start being the grocery store, that's going to 
be providing the best, likely the best low cost food products um, and the highest quality food products. I'm speculating here, but if we know Amazon, mm-hmm. we know they'll do it right. Um, you need to start being able to accept more types of tender than just the traditional checkout process. So you're taking cash. You're just doing it in a very different way. You're providing options for people. It's also interesting too, because you don't have to get into cash management either, which from an operational standpoint is a massive headache for retailers. Emma, you're shaking your head. I mean, you know, from, from working Levi's and the other retail stores, right? Yeah. Carter, what do you think? Anything? Yeah, I think I have mixed feelings because like, I wonder, is this a PR checkbox to say, yeah, we're, we're looking to provide cash. And then you look, you're like, yeah, all you have to do is like order whatever you want and then find a Western union, then drive there and then pay them. And then, you know, then your order ships like from a consumer experience standpoint, this thing sounds like a nightmare, right? Like to act like yeah, the, you, you think like bad, you know, brand pages on the dot com are hard about right? having yeah. to get in your car and drive somewhere. Like that seems like a huge barrier. But what we have to remember, I think that Western union is a much uh, greater part of a lot of people's routines than we might think. Yeah. I think people are very familiar with, with Western Union, specifically potentially people who are looking to use cash for more things. And the idea that Amazon is looking to a partnership for them, like I can see where maybe, you know, you do your Amazon shopping in the morning, you go to your grocery store in the afternoon for the things you couldn't get on Amazon or whatever. And on your way out, you stop by Western Union to make sure everything's paid for and you go on about your day. Um, I don't think it's perfect i don't I actually still think it kind of sucks like it's yeah. a, it's a lot of work um i do give them credit for trying to figure it out um i think that this is one step in a greater direction yeah i don't know i think to your point it doesn't seem like pr to me because it is so clunky in terms of like try i mean it took a few reads of how this thing works to try to, to understand figure it, out. it yeah like in, no one in their right mind if it was just like a media pr thing would actually do it that way right so so it makes me think they're trying to figure out and learn it and they're trying to get at that new swath of customer and then i think and your point about grocery like i never saw that on the first read like yeah that's huge and especially given the blowback politically because it gives them a way to say no, no, we take cash. It's just we take it differently. But if you if you want to shop that way and you're unbanked, you can do it. Yeah. Well, and I think if you think about the convenience that Amazon is looking to provide here, that's at the core. If you're living paycheck to paycheck and you know, like, I have time on Sunday to place my grocery order and I don't have time to, like, I want it all in. I want it all ready. And within 24, I have 24 hours or I have till the end of the this pay payday or whatever to get to the spot to Western Union to, you know, put it towards my car. I think you're giving people options that they need, that real life people need. And that's what I think is important about this. Yeah, and it's great. All right. All right. At the end of the day, let's close ourselves up. Got to tell you, I am loving some Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know about you guys, but I am all over. Emma, intern from the East Coast. Yes. All over Dunkin', shameless plug. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor, but everyone runs on Dunkin', especially (laughs) me today when I've got a cold. But God, I'm, I'm just loving it. Thanks to everyone out there who has diligently been liking, reviewing, and subscribing to our podcast. Our reviews have steadily climbed on iTunes. We are not far away from actually being one of the highest ranked review podcasts in all of retail. So thank you to everyone. We only need a few more. So if you're listening, please stop, write a review right now. Come on, you can do it. It's worth it. And every little difference makes a difference. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsor. Thanks to those of you who've been liking our new video segments of the Fast Five on LinkedIn. Been getting a lot of positive feedback on that. Thanks, Kevin, one of our loyal listeners. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, Trigo. And last but not least, I am happy to say that today, November 8th, is Ann Bazinga's birthday. Happy birthday, Ann. Hey, happy birthday, Ooh, Ann. <laughs> I won't ask I'm not, you. I'm not, I'm not happy about that. I won't ask today. you anything else. Yeah. 
Thanks. From Thank Anne, you. from Emma the intern, from Carter, and from me, as always, be careful out there. Thank you.